Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. If you will join me in the pastoral prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Michael. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we praise you. You reign. You are robed in majesty and glory and honor. Your throne is established forever. You are from everlasting. Lord, we confess this morning that we have not loved you with all of our heart, our soul, and might. We have exalted ourselves and, and put our, our kingdom before your own. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us, that you would remove from us the desire to bow the knee to anyone but you, the desire to exalt ourselves above you, and that you would humble us and make us uh, servants of the one true king. Teach us to love your word and and love your commandments so that we can show the world that we are your disciples. Lord, we, we want to take a moment now to thank you for mothers and those who are mothers naturally and, and those who are mothers through adoption and mothers through foster care and those who play um, motherly roles by caring for and loving others. Jesus, you even placed yourself under the care of a young mother and, and know the critical nature of their role, both as creator that created that role and as human who benefited from that role. Lord, we ask, we lift the mothers up to you today that you would heal those who are sick we ask that you would ease the pain of, of mothers who have lost children. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort those who cannot have children. Lord, we ask that you would create in each woman's heart in here the desire to bring glory to you by fulfilling the role you have given them to fulfill. We pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would empower them to to live that role out, and it's not an easy role, and often is difficult, Lord, but we see your love through the love of a mother. We ask that you would give them strength, that you would give them endurance to love well and to reflect you. We thank you for these, these ladies, Lord, and we ask for your abundant blessings on them. Lord, we also want to lift up Bay Area Church of the Nazarene this morning, Pastor Josh over there, we ask that you would, uh, your word would go forth and save the lost and strengthen the weak and awaken the sleeper. May you, or may they be a bright light shining, a city on a hill there in, in North Bend, Lord, that your name is glorified. And we ask the same here in Hauser, Lord, and, and in, our, in our communities that we would be a light 
on the hill, that we would be salt and light. Lord, as we turn to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, would you open our ears, open our our hearts and our minds to hear and receive uh, your word, to not only hear it, but to apply it. We want to know you more and more, and we want to look like you, Jesus. So we ask that you would do that. We ask by your power that you would save the lost this morning. Our country has grown so hardened to the gospel, and we need your mercy, Lord. We need you to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. We need you to revive us so that we can live for you and participate in your growing your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would help me to proclaim your word boldly this morning, faithfully, and completely reliant on your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, kiddos, you are released. And while they're fleeing the scene, the rest of you can turn to Acts if you want to. And no, I didn't forget we haven't started Acts yet. Um... But I figured, hey, why not? Let's just start over. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, good morning, church. It is so wonderful to be back here, uh, back with you. I've missed the fellowship of uh, the believers, uh, truly missed uh, this church while I I was gone for the last two weeks. And and here's what I want to accomplish this morning. I want to give you a recap uh, of our mission trip. So uh, we will cover the, the couple of weeks that we spent in the Philippines, and then Steve and Dave will come and tell you of their experiences. But at the same time, uh, you know I need to preach, so I'm going to cover the whole book of Acts. Um, <laughs> why is that so funny? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to try to cover at least some verses in Acts. Um, I'm going to develop a theology of missions from the book of Acts. So our trip uh, going to the Philippines, the way that it developed, uh, it, it started with this desire to go to the Philippines and help. They had a, a, a typhoon there, so uh, Steve uh, Plinsky said, hey, let's go and help build uh, some homes. Let's help them recover from the typhoon, and, and while we're there, we'll show the love of Christ in that way. And when Steve reached out and contacted those churches that he'd, he'd been in contact with before, and a couple of years ago they went to the Philippines, um, they said, you know what, we're, we're doing okay with that, but if you, what we really need is help uh, sharing the gospel. And, and Steve agreed, and, and we all agreed that building the kingdom of God is more important than building earthly homes. Uh, so they put together, Steve and Dave were able to put together a plan and partner with churches to go uh, home to home and share the gospel for the two weeks uh, that we were there. And 
while we were talking about it and, and figuring out what this trip was actually going to look like, uh, I thought it would be nice to train a, a few pastors, you know, five or ten, we, I thought, initially, uh, while we're there, and uh, they don't have access to training, so I thought it would be nice to do that. Uh, the church has also agreed that that would be a, a good use of time, and uh, we developed some training, and uh, we were able to train over 80 pastors and workers, uh, yeah, in the two, weeks, the two weeks that we were there in two locations, so we, we were able to train um, a lot of pastors and workers, a lot more than we expected uh, when we started this. Uh, but the excitement over the biblical training, the excitement over the gospel as we were there, it was, it was palpable. Like You could tell people were just excited. It reminds me in Matthew 9 when, when Jesus is saying the, the fields are ripe for harvest. And, and you could just see that. We were invited into homes and we were able to share the gospel. Uh, we saw many receive Jesus Christ. Uh, we were invited into a public school. Um, they even had a banner for us when we got there, uh, a public school now, and, and we were able to share the gospel with the teachers there, encourage them from the word of God um, in two locations, so that was a public school, and then we went to also a private school, and we're just able to encourage them to keep pressing on because of how COVID uh, has affected their area. Um, we wanted to ensure them what God was doing. We were able to share uh, at a youth gathering where uh, over 150 youth came, and um, that was only because some of them didn't have rides to get there, and there was another youth gathering that had about 150 uh, also. So we were able to share there, um, just kid, teens excited about the gospel, excited to be in the, in the uh, church, excited to sing the worship of the Lord. All three of us were given opportunities to preach in churches while we were there. Um, we gathered at the end of each week, and we were able to hand out uh, two kilos of rice. I still don't know how much that is, um, but that much rice, about, about that much, and uh, canned goods, and we were able to hand out Bibles in the Hiligaynon uh, language, their local dialect, so we were able to do all of that at the end of both weeks um, and bless the new believers while we were there. But more importantly than food, more importantly than um, them hearing us, uh, we were able to celebrate with these new believers that you see. This is only uh, half of the new believers um, while we were there. But we were able to celebrate with them that they had eaten not rice, um, but the, of the bread of life and that they were involved in the kingdom of God and welcomed in. So it was a true blessing to be there, a true blessing uh, to minister in the Philippines. But, but here's the thing. Those Philippine churches were already deeply involved in expanding the kingdom of God. Um, they are planting churches with hardly any funding. Uh, they are discipling 
with hardly any material. They were evangelizing, just going home to home and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They are even going, as we were leaving, we were talking to one of the young men, and he said that they were going uh, to another island to, um, on a mission trip to partner with churches to help share the gospel in those communities. So they're already doing the work of the ministry. Pastors are already meeting together. They have started Bible schools over there with with one classroom, um, but they're able to train uh, pastors and people going to the mission field uh, or just preparing people to be uh, part of the local church. So these churches, they understand what it means to be missional churches, And I think a lot of times in America, we've gotten so comfortable that we struggle with what it looks like to be missional locally. We've sent millions of dollars and uh, millions of people and billions of dollars into the mission field, and we should. Um, But the local church, at the local church level, we're often disconnected from missions. But we read in the word and we see that Jesus is a missional God. He put on flesh. He came to proclaim the good news to us. And since he's a missional God, we are also called to be a missional people, a missional church. The moment we were saved and set, uh, we were set on mission for the kingdom of God. We were given a mission to go make disciples of all people. And that's what the book of Acts is about. That's what uh, Luke was talking about. He spent 24 chapters telling us how Jesus came on the earth uh, to, on this mission to save humanity, to usher in the kingdom of God, to bring glory to God. And then we get to Acts, and we get to Acts 1.1, and we read he's continuing on in the first book. That's Luke, O Theophilus. I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then that implies that he began in Luke and he's continuing on in Acts all the way to today. That is, we are participating with Jesus Christ in expanding the kingdom of God. So that's what we're going to do this, this morning. Briefly, I want to overview all of the book of Acts um, <clears throat> and call us to live missionally. So first, I have five points, um, and you're thinking, oh, you usually have three, and it takes you a long time to get through them. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll get through it. We have nowhere to be, right? It's Mother's Day. (sighs) That's where all of mothers want to be, right here. I know. You're welcome. So first, uh, we see that a missional church has a kingdom focus. Uh, We just take a look at how the book of Acts starts. Uh, We see that what Jesus does, well, it doesn't start in Genesis, that's for sure. Um, We see, he says, in the very beginning, Acts 1-3, he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Luke opens the book of Acts with Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God, and then he's going to close the book of Acts in verses 30 and 31 of Acts 28. And Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense. He's in in Rome. He welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God 
and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So we see that, the, that Luke bookends the, the book of Acts with the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God. So we have to ask, what is the kingdom focus? What does it mean for us as a church to have a kingdom focus? Uh, if you remember, we talked about the kingdom of God in a series before we started Acts. And we said that the kingdom of God is God's reign over God's people and God's place. And he's bringing, uh, he's been doing this. He's bringing the nations into the kingdom. That's always been his plan. We see he promised uh, Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 7, 15 and 17, uh, 17, 6 here. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. And then when we get to Isaiah, we also see it'll come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that, he, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we see this has always been God's plan to bring in the nations so that they become the people of God. And, and Peter proclaims in Acts 2.17 that the time is here, that the time has come. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And Peter says, now it has happened, if you remember this. This is right after Pentecost. And he says, that's what's going on. That's why they're speaking in different tongues. So this means that as a church, our focus, all that we teach and all that we do should be on the kingdom of God. We're ushering in with Jesus, participating with what he is doing as we bring in with him the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of the church, to make disciples of the kingdom that go and make disciples of the kingdom until Jesus returns. So as a church, we should focus on the kingdom at least three ways. First, we need to, we need to acknowledge the kingship of Jesus. In our individual lives and corporately as a church, we need to acknowledge that he is the king of kings. Now, as Americans, um, having a king, it's pretty foreign to us. We see it in movies. We've, we've seen, we've maybe read it in history, but it's, it's a foreign idea to us. We, but we understand what the, what, it, what the concept is, that we submit to the rule and the reign of Jesus over our lives. That means that we no longer act as ruler over our own lives, but we follow Jesus Christ by dying to ourselves and living for him. Because we acknowledge, Jesus, you are the king. You are the one who has uh, the words of life. You, you know the path. You know the way to go. We want to follow you. So our mission is to bring people into that understanding 
that Jesus is the reigning king. He rightly deserves honor and worship and obedience. And the way we do that is by submitting to his reign and his rule, showing that we have no king but Jesus, that his way is the only way, and every other way leads to destruction. And we, we declare that in our lives. I've tried every way. Uh, I've tried all kinds of ways. Uh, King Solomon says, everything is vanity. But Jesus is the way. Our second focus is that the kingdom of Jesus will overcome the kingdoms of the world. The wicked kingdoms. So as a church, we focus on the kingdom of God in those two ways, uh, at least in those two ways, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in Acts 4, Peter, he returns to Psalm 2. He says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Um, we'll, we'll be in Acts 12 soon, and we're going to see that Herod, he exalts himself as king. Uh, he exalts himself in a God-like status, and the Lord just allows him to stop breathing. And as he stops breathing, we see that the word of, of, of Herod ceases, but the, the word of God increases. So we see that the kingdom of God grows, and wicked kingdoms start to pass away. And as kingdom people, we have to stand on the truth that this is, that Jesus is the king of kings. We, we stand on the truth that his kingdom will prevail, that he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to rant and rave and, and, and against the world's systems. We are to preach the gospel so that the lost turn from these dying systems to the one true God. We call them to respond. We see this terrible news in Acts 2 that, that the nations, they're raging in vain and, and, and the, Jesus is going to break them like a potter's vessel, but then it, he has this wonderful display of mercy. He says, kiss the sun, Least he be angry and you perish in the way. His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's what we proclaim. The systems of the world, the, the systems of evil, they will fail. So turn to Jesus. Follow Jesus. His, his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. But the opposite is cursed are those who do not. Thirdly, the kingdom of God, we, we say, uh, we proclaim is for everyone, both Jew and Gentile. The heartbeat of the book of Acts is that, that the expansion of the gospel is going to everyone. It is going to the ends of the earth. It's, it's breaking out of Jerusalem and going to Judea and Samaria. And I mean, just that alone is blowing the Jewish person's mind that, that the gospel would go to Samaria, but even to the ends of the earth, to, even to the Gentiles. 
We saw that, that even the Gentiles in, in Acts 11 are being brought into the kingdom. How blown away the Jews are. But that should be our heartbeat also. That all would come to know Jesus. And we don't desire anyone to perish. That we don't desire anyone to go to hell. We want all to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter who they are, we want them to hear. Our hearts should burn with the desire that the lost know Jesus. For none to perish. So we need to ask, what hinders our kingdom focus? What is it that hinders our focus on the kingdom of God? First, and probably primarily, our focus is too much on the kingdom of this world. It's either focused too much on on ourselves, our own kingdom. Uh, We're more worried about how comfortable we are going to be instead of how sold out we are for Jesus Christ. Or we're too focused on our national uh, kingdom, uh, more, f- more concerned about the way America is headed and praying for America than praying for the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. And don't get me wrong, we should pray for America. We should be concerned about our country. We should desire it to reflect the kingdom of God. We should long for and celebrate when things happen that look like the kingdom of God. But the way that we do that is from the ground up. The way that we do that is by making disciples who are sold out to Jesus Christ that would then go and live for Jesus Christ. We build the kingdom. It's always been built just as Jesus started with a few. We build it by telling people, by making disciples who go and make disciples. Another thing that hinders our kingdom focus is we just become very lazy. We're already in the kingdom. Why do we need to continue pursuing the kingdom? Why do we need to continue uh, doing anything? We say, well, I'm good and I'll be in heaven when I die, so I'm I'm not even going to worry about the kingdom. I'm just going to mind my own business and then I'll reap the benefits whenever I die, which is not what the word of God tells us is true. If we've been saved by the grace of God, if we've experienced the mercy of Jesus Christ, then we should desire for people to experience the same thing. We should desire for them to be brought into the kingdom. We should desire to display Jesus to them. We should desire to invite them into our homes and show them the mercy that we have received. And the most merciful thing we can do is tell people about Jesus Christ. We also are hindered by living like the kingdom of God is just a future reality. But church, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is here. It is is here, it is setting prisoners free now. The kingdom of God is healing the sick now. The kingdom of God is delivering the oppressed. It's breaking the bonds of the addict. It is, it is saving the lost. It's raising the dead. The kingdom of God is here. It's not just something we're waiting for. It's breaking in ever since the moment Jesus was raised from the tomb. We should be excited that the kingdom of God is here. 
So we need to ask, what's going to refocus me? Because we all get off kilter. We all think about our own kingdom over the kingdom of God. We all think about this over that. So how do I refocus? We repent first. We begin repentance. We acknowledge, Lord, I have not lived like your kingdom is the most important kingdom. I've lived like my kingdom is more important. You seek forgiveness. You receive forgiveness. And then you start living for the kingdom of God today. And then you grow in your knowledge. What is the kingdom of God? What are its implications now? Study. Ask questions. Go back to our sermon series on the kingdom of God. Read books. Study the word. And then get involved. Get involved in what we're doing as a church. Get involved um, in small groups. Get involved in Bible studies. Get involved in local missions. Get involved in global missions. But realize the most important thing that we do is expand or participate in expanding the kingdom of God. But have you ever, okay, like I think we would all agree with what I've said so far. But have you ever come to that understanding and say, I can't do that. I'm not equipped for that. There's no possible way I can do that. Good. It's exactly where you need to be. Because the missional church uh, is empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by a bunch of really awesome people. It's actually empowered by a bunch of messed up people. And we get to go tell people, praise the Lord that he uh, is the one operating, he's the one saving, and it's not me that's doing it. We receive the ability to be witnesses of the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us this in Acts 1.5. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He doesn't even let the guys that have been with Jesus Christ, he doesn't even let them leave uh, Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. He says, you can't do it. I don't care if you've been with me for three years and if you know everything that I've taught you, you still are not capable of this until you receive the Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, but when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will do the impossible. We will change the world. We will bring the kingdom of God in. And we see, and when they prayed, the place that they were gathered was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to speak the word of God. I think so many um, in the Christian church, they don't, I think we believe this, but we don't believe this, right? Like we acknowledge this, but we don't practically live it. We say we believe it, but when it comes to sharing our faith, we realize at that moment I'm very inadequate. I don't have the ability. We cower because we don't know enough. We don't have the right words. Whatever excuse we need to fill in the blank, we we put it there. But it's because we're attempting to do the impossible on our own. We're attempting to do something that we were never able to do by ourselves. But you, believer, have the Holy Spirit. Trust him to use you, even you. 
Take the step to tell someone of Jesus. Take the step to pray with someone. Take the step to encourage someone with the word of God. Not because you're well-versed, not because you have memorized the whole Bible, but because you have the promised Holy Spirit with you. That's why you can share boldly. Only because the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. We have the same spirit in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit in you. You are able, you're not able to do this, but God's able to use you to share his word. Trust the spirit to convert people. Even the most articulate evangelist could not change one heart. Billy Graham did not change one heart. He did not change one mind. That is the work of the Spirit. A missional church understands that. And we trust the Holy Spirit to move in miraculous ways however he pleases. And the missional church receives direction from the Holy Spirit. He sins. We see in Acts uh, 8.29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over there to that chariot. He tells um, he sends out, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to these random places that um, I'm not going to say correctly, so I'm not going to say them. They sailed to Cyprus. I said that for Rick's, where's Rick? I know he's here. Uh, if I pronounce something wrong, I'm going to hear, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but we see the Spirit sends us. We, I know you've heard or you've felt, the, the, some, man, I should go over there and talk to that person. I should go over there and encourage that person. I should go and pray with that person. That's the Spirit of God pushing you to, to witness, to be His witness, to be a blessing in someone's life with His Word. That's the Spirit sending you to represent Jesus Christ. The Spirit also stops us. We see He stops uh, Paul. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the Word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, see, and they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So the Spirit sins and the Spirit stops. The, the idea is, are you listening to the Spirit? Are you obeying when you're called? Are you stopping when you're told to stop? Are you submitting to the lordship of Jesus over your life? Do you have the desire for the kingdom to grow? Do you have the desire to share the gospel? Do you have a heart for missions? You want people to know Jesus. You want the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. If not, how do we change? Because that's who we are. That's, that's who you are as a believer. Even if you don't feel that way, that's who you are. So how do we change? We always start with repentance, right? Lord, I know you say this is what we're called to do. It's very clear our mission is to tell others, to make disciples, uh, and I haven't done that. Would you forgive me? Or Lord, I have disobeyed you for so long that I don't even hear your leading anymore. Would you forgive me and take not your spirit from me, as David prayed in Psalm 51. Would you refresh me? Would you lead me again? 
Would you open my ears so that I could hear you and learn to hear him again? Be familiar with his voice by being in the word. Be familiar with his voice by, by being discipled, by praying, speaking with him, listening. All prayer is not just you talking. And then walk in the spirit. Walk, you're called to be on mission with him. No matter who you are, no matter where you work, he has called you to be his representative in the world around you. In your circle of influence, everybody in here has a circle of influence, probably eight to 15 people. That's what they, a, a book I read said, so that's probably right. Um, but you are influencing people that I will never meet. You are sharing the gospel with people I will never see. And trust that the Lord will equip you and just be obedient. Be obedient and trust him. And where do we go? A missional church sees the mission field as local. It's right here. It starts right here. If you notice in Acts 1.8 that you will receive power when the spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they currently were. So it starts where they are. There's concentric circles or kind of overlapping circles if you want to get technical, but um, it goes out from Jerusalem. And the reason is because Jerusalem was known as the center of where God was. That's where his presence was. But now Jesus is saying, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. It's not just in Jerusalem now. The presence of God is everywhere his people are. He doesn't say just Jerusalem or just Judea or just Samaria. He says everything. It's a growing outward of the kingdom of God. Too often we see missions as only to the ends of the earth. And we forget that missions begin at home. We need to be just as missionally minded in Coos County and Douglas County, um, around here, wherever you live, uh, as we are in a foreign land. Because there are just as many people within minutes of your front doorstep that need to hear the gospel as there are around the world. And Acts 2 reveals what local missions looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And all came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see first and foremost a local mission is centered on the word of God. Committed to the word. Being prepared to live for and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's fellowship. We have reduced fellowship to 30 minutes before the service or 15 minutes after the service uh, or just with those that we like to be around. But the fellowship in Acts runs so much deeper than that. 
It's so special that those on the outside were added to the number daily. They saw the fellowship. They, they longed for that kind of community. That's the community we were created to be. Hebrews picks it up. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Fellowship is part of local missions because it's building up the kingdom locally. It's displaying the kingdom of God right here in Hauser community. What does the kingdom look like? People want to look at the church and say, if that's what the kingdom looks like, we want them to say, I want to look like that. I want to be part of that. Instead of looking at it and saying, they don't look any different than we do. Local missions breaks bread together. That's taking communion and displaying the kingdom. But it's just also just eating together. Something as simple as having a meal with one another shows the kingdom of God. Local missions praise. We should be dedicated people of prayer. We greatly discount prayer. I think we think, oh, if everything else fails, we're going to take some time and pray. In our daily lives, we should be crying out to the Lord, Lord, save the lost. Save the lost. Use me, use the church, use the churches in this area. Save your people. Prayer has great power. And we don't only focus locally, we focus uh, globally. We, we see uh, in Acts 1-8 that it does go to the ends of the earth. We understand that, that it, uh, missions, are, that's important. That's why we support missions here as a church globally. That's why we went to the Philippines. We believe that this is important. The early church, they didn't have an idea, a clear picture of how big the world actually was. But they knew this was a great undertaking. But we know today that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 3.2 billion people that still need to hear of Jesus Christ. It's 40% of the population of the world still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a great urgency for us to go and tell the world of Jesus, to, to plant churches that go and tell the world of Jesus. We see that through the book of Acts. Peter sent, Paul sent, Philip sent, Barnabas is sent, John Mark sent. Some in here may be called to be global missionaries. Some of you are not called to be global missionaries. You're called to stay here and your mission field is right where you are. But everyone is called to participate. We see this all through the book of Acts. They, they are participating in prayer. They're participating in sending. They're participating in serving. They're participating in, in giving and evangelizing and supporting so that the mission goes forth. You are already given in global missions when you give your tithe. You are already participating. You are already financially supporting local and global missions. But you can also participate. We have a wall right out here in the foyer that has our missionaries on them. There's cards that tell us where they are and what they're doing. And you could grab one of those and just faithfully pray for that couple or that family. 
You can participate by coming to the office and getting contact information and sending letters of encouragement and, and emails of encouragement saying, we know or we assume that what you're going through is not easy, but we support you. We're praying for you. And you can participate. When the opportunity comes in short-term, long-term mission trips, but don't wait to be on a mission trip to a foreign land to be on mission for Jesus. Share the gospel now. Feed someone now. Be hospitable now. The last Saturday of every month, I know you're all in here, you're all listening, go and be the church, or being the church. Every last Saturday, we're doing something, some kind of project to help people see the kingdom of God. And this is hard, and it's suffering, and we're called to suffer for the kingdom of God, just as Jesus suffers for the kingdom of God. Jesus became human. He was tempted. He suffered. He died as a servant so that you and I could hear the message of the kingdom of God and be brought in to the kingdom of God. And if Jesus Christ, our Lord, put on humanity and served and suffered uh, because he thought it was important enough for you and I to hear about the kingdom of God, how much more should we think the kingdom of God is important? We see the early church suffering for the kingdom of God. They were mocked. They were stoned to death. They were driven from their homes. They were driven from their own countries. And as they were scattered, they didn't say, Man, this is unfair. All we're told is they preached the good news of Jesus Christ. Because they realized that this, it doesn't matter if we're pushed to the ends of the earth. Because God owns it all. He's building his kingdom to every corner. They suffered. And they saw their suffering as opportunities to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ where they never would have had that opportunity before. And we're called to suffer for the expansion of the kingdom. We're called to suffer financially for the kingdom, giving our tithe and denying ourselves uh, the pleasures of this life or some of the pleasures of this life so that others have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We're called to suffer physically. Maybe that means traveling to another country and experiencing uh, discomfort for a few days so that you can advance the gospel. Or that means heading into dangerous situations for some. Or maybe that means just overcoming embarrassment physically or um, slander or being called a bigot. Maybe that just means loving your enemy. Or maybe it means holding your tongue and suffering without running your mouth and just showing the love of Christ. Having conversations. But we're called to suffer as Christ suffered. So that many sons and daughters can be brought into the kingdom of God. As Americans, we've gotten really good at, at ridding ourselves from suffering. I have noticed that. <laughs> just go to a different country and you'll see how good we are at being comfortable. And missions, a lot of times, pays for that. We get very comfortable, and we don't leave our comfort. But today is the day to say, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on Christ's account. Or 
It has been granted to you. It's been given to you that for the sake of Christ, you don't only believe in him, but suffer for his sake. The church, since Jesus is a missional God, we are called to be a missional church. It's a, it was an absolute honor and privilege to serve, to participate in the kingdom of God in the Philippines. But this is our mission field. Right here is our mission field. This is where God has given us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, to advance his kingdom, to make disciples right here. And I pray that you develop a heart for missions, both locally and globally, that you grow exponentially because your heart desires this. Jesus' kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to your promises. Lord, apart from you, we were lost, blind, um, deaf. We, we could not come to you, but you in your great mercy poured out your spirit so that your kingdom could grow to the ends of the earth. You're fulfilling what you have called us to do. And I thank you, Lord, and I thank you that you allow us to be part of that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, for myself, for the Hauser Community Church, for the churches in this area, Lord, that, that we would take mission locally and globally seriously. That we would understand that nothing matters more than growing the kingdom of God. We pray, Lord, that you would anchor this into our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would light it on fire so that we have this burning desire to tell people of Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray, amen. Okay, uh, before we sing, uh, I'm gonna have Steve and Dave come up. I save you guys like 30 seconds each, so... Whoever gets here first. Uh, so, Steve, Steve's leaving. <laughs> Wait, come back. Hi, Lexi. <laughs> well, I'm glad you cut it down to 30 seconds because uh, after that message, I'm kind of feeling like what I'd written down. I don't know. I don't want to say that. But it was a... It was a uh, Blessing to be over there and to uh, be around the Filipino people. They, their culture is people. People are the most important thing. And so it was really uh, enjoyable to just get to know the, the church family. And uh, as he mentioned, as Greg mentioned, while he was doing his uh, pastor training, Steve and I went out in teams separately, uh, but with a big team of sometimes pretty big, of uh, the locals. So there was like a, a pastor, a local pastor, myself or Steve, and then a group from the church of all ages. That was cool. They had high school kids on up to old people. Like, well, nobody quite as old as me, but uh, older people. And, and so we, and they had made arrangements ahead of time to, with these families we would go visit. So, so we were received very warmly 
and uh, they seem to be very open to hearing uh, what we had to say. So I would like give my testimony in English and then depending on their, they all speak some English, some are really quite fluent, some are not so. So depending on that, they would either retranslate what I had said and then they would explain a, a bunch of stuff. So that part of it, I did not understand. But uh, at the end, as he said, uh, at the end of the week, they came and a lot of people came that had made a profession. So it was sort of like the beginning and we're praying for and trusting that uh, those local brothers and sisters will do follow-up and continue what God has started in the lives of the people that made commitments. And so uh, at the end, I said, uh, yeah, I do want to say my Bible verse here. So <laughs> uh, they, at the end, they're saying, oh, you're coming back next year, back next year. And we're going, uh, not too sure. We're getting older. And it's a very grueling, long trip, uh, but really well worth it. And it reminded me of uh, Galatians 6, 9, 10. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who believe, uh, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we're all encouraged to, as the pastor said, <laughs> endure even long trips or whatever it takes to be faithful followers. So thank you. You never know what's left after everyone else talks. But uh, one thing I didn't want to miss is my new great an acronym, which is BGG. We would see uh, pastors there, and uh, they'd be pastors for 30-some years. You might go up to the mountain to see them, and this one in particular I did. And But their common statement was, by God's grace, by God's grace. So the guy that I went up to the first Sunday and got to preach up there, he's got a church, and he's been there 31 years, got two great uh, children on fire, young adults, a small church of farmers, laborers. How he gets supported, I don't know, but he's showing me his house from the typhoon, which now consists of probably eight or ten sheets of corrugated metal and little bamboo. And he's going, by God's grace, no one got hurt. And he's living in the back of his church. And we saw blind pastors there who could hardly see. Uh, they have gospel ministry. They go to the marketplace and just start sharing the gospel. And they say, we encourage them. It was the other way around. And uh, I got a note today from one of the pastors. He said, there's 20 new people in our church this morning. They're 15 hours ahead of us. And uh, he said, we're starting a Bible study in one of the houses we visited. And uh, they truly encouraged us. So uh, that was probably the biggest blessing, I think. And again, it is all by God's grace. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, traveling with, with Steve and Dave, it was... Um, 
a learning experience. It was fun. We uh, just seeing these two guys and the churches and uh, how God is moving in the Philippines has been wonderful. So, um, yes, thank you for allowing us to do that or allowing me as your pastor to go. Um, and it was a it was a blessing. Like like Steve said, uh, they they definitely ministered to us probably way more than we ministered to them. So, um, all right. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon, 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.